you, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> I'm Kyler Bingham here on the Salt Lake Dirt Podcast in KPCR. We are covering the Berlin Film Festival. So excited to talk to a filmmaker. Um, and I'm, we, I just got the name straight, and I'm going to mess it up, so I'm going to have you <laughs> say it again. T. Right. Wei Zhao. Hello. Uh, hello. And the film is Tomorrow is a Long Time, and I, I loved it. Um, thank you so thank much you. for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about the film. And... Yeah, I, I thought it was great. Uh, I would love to hear. So for people who haven't seen the film and for those who are not in um, Berlin, tell us about the film and what kind of was the genesis of the project? Uh, when, did you, when did you start working on it? What brought you to working on this project specifically? Okay, um, so basically, uh, the film took about seven years to make. So I, I first had the genesis, the idea uh, in 2016. And I think um, what started was I was I had I made three shorts and I was trying to find an idea for a film. And I started thinking about my childhood. And so um, what happens with me is that my grandmother uh, took care of me when I was a, when I was a child. And she passed away, uh, sadly, based on an illness. And subsequently, when I was uh, 15 or 16, the same age as the protagonist of the film, my father had the same illness. And this illness runs through my family because it's hereditary. So I started to uh, think to myself, like, what is going to happen when each one of my family member passes before me until this illness reaches me? Because we never know anybody in my family, we, we might all have this illness. And and so that it was the genesis. And um and I was, uh, rem I remember being very terrified. And my father said to me, you know, um, my the next, my next life is you. And so, and that's how I thought I'm gonna make a film about father and son, and and this connection, almost metaphysical connection that our parents have with their child, and how it connects even through invisible ways that intertwine, uh, and the relationships that, uh, yeah, this connection that that a parent and child might have with each other. Yeah, that's beautiful. I when I was reading about the film, it, it talks about um, yeah how the the actions of one, in a family how interconnected they are, and the actions of one determines the fate of another. Uh, I yeah. thought that was just such a beautiful concept. Um, tell me about the title of the film. Tomorrow is a long time. I was curious, um, just the significance of that. Um, it was a captivating title. Caught my interest. Tell me about the title. I mean, actually, to be very honest, uh, tomorrow is a long time. Um, I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan, uh -huh. so it is a it is actually a, a very um uh, it's a Bob Dylan title. The song. Oh wow, Bob Dylan. It's a, <laughs> that's great. A very well known one. Um, uh, and so actually, when I was uh, writing the film, um, I usually like to put in like uh, uh, makeshift titles for for the time being, you know. But as I wrote and and as I wrote, I, I thought it was such a beautiful because in the film, it it is a coming of age uh, story. And the boy is trying to to find his place, uh, to understand his position and place in the world, in society. And I thought he's trying to hope that tomorrow is going to come. But tomorrow, as we know, tomorrow is going to take a specific time. But sometimes it might take longer than it. So tomorrow, the tomorrow that this this boy seeks, I hope, 
uh, will be at the end of the film that finally comes for him. That's yeah. great. That's great. Uh, so w- was this shot in Singapore? Yes, uh, Singapore uh, and Taiwan. Uh, uh, first in the in the city of Singapore and, and also uh, uh, part in, in the jungles in the, uh, the wilderness of Taiwan. Okay, I, I so I think this is the first film I've seen from that region, which was very cool to kind of get like a glimpse of another part of the world that I've never been. Um, tell me about so you said this was like a seven year process, like from beginning to yeah. end of the film. I mean, that's quite an undertaking. I, I am curious about the logistics of shooting in Singapore and Taiwan is something I, I know nothing about, but I, I'm just very interested in like the, the process of doing like working on an independent film in, um, yeah. in another country. Um, so basically in the film, uh, the spaces that you see uh, in the film is not exactly representative of Singapore, which is like a cosmopolitan city uh, because these are the spaces where the father who is a pest exterminator, he goes in the middle of the night to all these industrial places to kind of fumigate and to cleanse it of pests because he's a pest exterminator. And and so yesterday at a screening uh, in Berlin here, uh, a Singaporean uh, a person who was watching the film said to me, I've never seen these places that I lived in Singapore for all my life. And it's so freaky, you know, <laughs> to see all these places. Um, but that's what it is because uh, these characters in my film, they exist on the margins. They live in the margins. And so oftentimes uh, we, we are not aware of their lives and their, and their, and their, and the position they have in, in society. So, yeah, so that's, that's uh, where the film was set. And um, in terms of logistics, it was very complicated because we had to shoot uh, during the, the pandemic. And mm-hmm. in Asia, uh, quarantines were a big thing. So we shot the first half in Singapore. And on Christmas Eve, we flew to Taiwan and did a two-week quarantine on Christmas and New Year's uh, in, in, in quarantine before they let us out to shoot the second half. And we went into the jungles and... And they were not so scared because we weren't going to be in public. We were going to the jungle. So they let us do our thing in. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, uh, that's that's wild. So I just watching the film, yes. just visually, uh, in a very cool way, it, it's, it's like at least two separate films. So, I mean, you talked, yeah. So when I was watching it, um, I, when I got to the end of the film, I'm not going to spoil anything. When I got to the end of the film and I was just thinking about to the beginning of the film, they, they could have been two completely separate films. So um, I, yeah, I don't want to spoil it. So maybe we could talk about uh, yeah. influences you had early on in life. I know we, we all kind of pull from, from something or at least at some point we see something and we're like, Hey, I, want to do that i think i can do that were there any films or any filmmakers when you were younger that you were drawn to that helped you to get to the point of wanting to do this to be a filmmaker um yeah actually i i'm a huge uh, cinephile i watch a lot of films and at one point uh, when i was in my i would say like 17 18 about 20 I used to watch uh, two films a day. I would watch one during lunch. I wouldn't do any schoolwork, but don't don't follow me. <laughs> I would watch a film at lunch. I would, before I go to bed, I would watch another film. So I devoured film, all kinds of films, you know, Italian films, Antonioni, Fellini. I watched Wong Kar Wai, uh, and Ho Xiao, Ho Xiao Xian, and, but also the screwball comedies, you know. I love those in the 50s and the 60s Hollywood. So... I try not to um, restrict myself in terms of cinema watching, um, but I didn't think it was possible until one day I said, maybe I should 
to try this, you know. And so I I went to my mother and she told me a story. Uh, and I said, you know, I want to try being a filmmaker. And she said to me, you know, your grandfather, when he was a laborer, but my grandfather was a laborer in Singapore. Uh, and, and every day without fail after work, he would go to the open air cinema without fail, like every single day after work. He, it was his ritual, it was his routine. And she and and I didn't really know him because he passed uh, when I was one or two. And she said, maybe somehow in a weird metaphysical or weird way, his love of cinema was passed on to you. And, you know, coming from Singapore, which is a, like a pragmatic society where, you know, people, when you tell people you want to be a filmmaker, they kind of frown at you or like, they think you're crazy. <laughs> um, my mother was very open because of that. Because of my grandfather, she was willing to let me have a go at becoming a filmmaker. Wow. And it's like kind of what you were saying about how the actions of one determines the fate of another. I mean, yeah. that, that falls right into that. Very, very cool. Mm-hmm. So as, as a cinephile, I mean, that's got to be, um, it's got to be incredible to be at one of the world's most prestigious film festivals. That's got to be amazing and, and quite the honor. Uh, tell me, yeah. well, it's been three years since we've been in person at the festival. Yeah. Tell me about your experience so far, about you know some of the screenings and just the interactions you've had with with other filmmakers and, and audiences. How has it been so far? Um, I think this, uh, from what I've heard, because I haven't, I, I was here in 2017 with the, with Dipson as a project in the co-production market, and that was a normal like before the pandemic, and and then um, shut down, and now I'm, and now it feels. Uh, like it's back to normal almost like there's crowds everywhere the cinemas are all full uh, everyone's really enthusiastic about all the films every screening I've been to they're all full so it's really amazing as a filmmaker and the cinemas in Berlin are extremely beautiful and so it's a great pleasure because when I'm editing you're watching it on a small monitor mm-hmm. and finally I'm sitting there with like uh, 850 people in the cinema and you see your own film with your name and it's it's really moving for me as a yeah as as, as it, for my first feature in fact you know being here that's incredible um one thing i did want to talk so kind of jumping around jumping all over the place i did want to yeah. a- ask you about your writing process uh, developing yeah. the script uh, for the film um yeah. it's a it you know there is a lot of dialogue but there's like it's a it's a heavily visual film um when you write a script like that do you have it all, especially being like the, you know, you're the, you're the, you're the main guy you, you wrote, you're directing it. This is your, this is your baby. Do you have those visuals in mind, like the locations before you start writing or did that come after? Uh, I think a little bit of both. So I have the idea and I write a draft and I try to just write it through with partly using my own imagination, partly uh, using things that I already know. Um, but sometimes when you go to a location and you see something kind of amazing and you say, oh, it's better than anything I've ever imagined. It's it's incredible. I have to, then then what I do is I adapt the scene to fit that location, to utilize a certain ar- the architecture or the structure or something in the location. Yeah. And, and, and once, yeah, I'm um, sorry. Uh, oh, no, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Would be the scene um, with the monkeys, in fact. Mm. Yes, uh, because I I didn't have a script with the monkeys, but uh, whenever I went to the location, they would say to me, "Oh, there are a thousand monkeys here," and then I say to myself, "Wow, it seems like I need to have a scene with the monkeys." <laughs> I was wondering about that because they, I mean, the the monkeys, they they almost acted like trained animals. There's one particular where they, there's some movement, and they come over to him. 
I'm like, did he? Wow, did they have an animal trainer on that? That was wild. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, and then, well, well, going back to, I, I think one location that I thought was just such a cool spot where um, where yeah. the young man was kind of hanging out with the with the bad crowd, and then his dad comes. Yeah to, to yeah. pull them out like what was what what exactly was that place that was just a visually like oh it's a, very stunning it's, a, it's an abandoned uh swimming pool mm. so, so it used to be like a swimming pool for people to come and now it's completely empty which nobody knows in singapore it's a secret i will not tell anyone it's completely beautiful and uh, i have to thank uh, my production designer james page because it was him because i was telling him we need, really need a space that shows uh, singapore but in a way that it's like the decay of the of, 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 of the city and and james was the one who said to me oh i know a place and we must not tell anyone but we're gonna shoot there <laughs> that's wonderful that's wonderful um well, I guess as we kind of wrap up, I, I do want to ask you, I know with an independent film, well, with any film really, but specifically with an independent film, um, casting can be such a, like a, such a challenging process, but you, like the, your main character, uh, in particular, the young man, I just did such an incredible job. I'm, I'm wondering, um, yeah. Where first off, like tell us his name and where where did you find him? He did an outstanding job. Uh, his name is uh, Edward Tan. Uh, he he's a young actor and he he was in theater school and he's been in one children's play in one time uh, before he he acted in this film. But I think what Edward has is uh, intelligence, uh, courage, and also sensitivity to inhabit the role. So what we did was we talked a lot about his life. And also tools for him to process the role and also just to understand um, uh, the rhythm of, of what I was looking for. You know, So we worked a lot in rehearsals with body language because I think the film is not as verbal. There's not a lot, a lot of dialogue. And so I, I tend to work a lot on body language factors. And it took uh, like 300 boys for me to, for, to find him. You know, I, I, cast, I, I went through auditions of three, like almost 300 boys, I think. Wow. That's, that must have been, well, yeah, I mean, that, that, that fits into the seven-year process. That sounds <laughs> exhausting. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, very cool. So, um, I, I, I guess I should ask. Like, I know I had. I'm, I'm pretty much wrapping up. I think we've we've covered almost everything. But I am, you know, the the excitement of the film festival. Yeah. Um, just the go, go, go pace of it can be like, it, it's incredible. I'd imagine overwhelming and the days kind of blend in together and they drag and it's all this, but after the, after the fact, when, once the festival is over, what are, what are your hopes for the film? Um, I hope to, to be able to, to, to travel with the film and, and show it to different audiences around the world. I think that is one of the great joys of uh, making a film, you're able to share a little bit of yourself with people and, you know, for them to be interested in what you do and to ask you questions. And I'm always happy to talk about the film like right now. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yes, I, that's that's just my dream to share with, with people. You know, after working on it for seven years, uh, I'm I'm here to say this is something I've done. Uh, please have a look and <laughs> tell me what you do. <laughs> well, I, yeah, like I said, I, I think it was great. Um, everybody, the film is tomorrow is a long time. Um, incredible, just a visually stunning piece of work. And I, I look forward to seeing more from you in the future. Thank you for your time.
Thank you, Kyla. I mean, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care.